September the 1st of 2005 is my official hire date at Harvest Bible Church. But it was 14 years ago today that was our final Lord's Day at our home church in South Carolina before moving to Pennsylvania. I remember that day fairly well. It was quite an emotional day. It reminds me of today. Excitement about what was ahead, ministry together with people of Harvest Bible Church, new friends, moving to the foreign land of Pennsylvania. We thought for sure we'd need a passport to get here. But there were other emotions, like fear of the unknown, the emotions of sadness. We were leaving family behind. We were leaving good friends behind. I don't cry in public very often, but I remember after that service that day, sitting in the church library, praying together with our friends, Brad and Becky Baum. And at that point, it was the big, ugly kind of crying. You know what I'm talking about? There was a single stabilizing factor that friends and church members and pastors and family pointed us to on that day. There was a truth that did not cancel out the emotions of the day and didn't completely remove the fears of the situation that was in front of us. But it was a truth that certainly did stabilize us. Here it is. God keeps all of his promises. God cannot fail. The God who commissions us will be faithful to us. He will be faithful through us, whatever he has called us to do. And this is the central thought that guides our time together this morning. God commissions us for this life, and we respond to that commission. He remains faithful to his promises, whether or not we remain faithful. Would you please locate the Old Testament book of Joshua in your copy of the Holy Scriptures? Our text this morning is going to be the end of Joshua chapter 21, but we'll actually begin in chapter number 1 of Joshua. And if you're using the Pew Bible, you can find it, I believe, on page 166. Joshua 1. We've been making our way through this book, which records part of the history of our promise-keeping God. Joshua was one of the spies who was chosen to report on the land of Canaan to the Israelites before they went in to take possession of it. Joshua and Caleb gave good reports, reports that reflected their faith in God's ability, in God's ability to deliver the enemy over to his people. However, the majority of the Israelites believed the false reports of the other spies. And as a result of the nation's unbelief, the children of Israel wandered around in a wilderness for 40 years. They died in the wilderness, except for Joshua and for Caleb. And God calls on Joshua to, to replace, to, to, re, to be the replacement for the servant of the Lord, Moses, the highly revered leader of Israel. And Joshua is commissioned to lead the children of Israel across the Jordan River to defeat the people of the people groups that occupy the land of Canaan. It was the land that God had promised to Abraham hundreds of years earlier. I want to remind us this morning of the commission that God gave to Joshua, beginning in Joshua chapter 1. Would you please follow along in verse number 1? 
Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you, nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto you this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Spend just a moment thinking about that commission that Joshua received. Following in the footsteps of Moses, the servant of the Lord, displacing the inhabitants of the land of Canaan, which included massive loss of life to the, to the, to the Canaanites, Leading sinners. Joshua would be involved in, in leading sinners. People of unbelief and dishonesty and discontentment. And then the task of, of distributing all of the land of, to the, the proper allotments to the tribes. Nothing about that, that commission sounds posh. Nothing about that commission sounds like a walk in the park. In fact, it doesn't sound all that appealing at all. It would, be also, it would also be wise for us this morning to consider our own commissions from the Lord. The task that He's called each of us to. Parenting. Marriage. A new school year. The great commission. To go and make disciples of all nations. None of those sound like a walk in the park either. And today we have an opportunity to commission one from our own congregation. Anna Gross leaves on Tuesday following God's call for her to Indonesia. How is she to go? How are we to send? Our text this morning answers those questions. So at this point, would you jump forward to Joshua chapter 21? In our study, we've noted, noted that the first five chapters describe how Israel entered into the promised land. Chapters 6 through 12 describe how they fought for the promised land. And chapters 13 through 21 about the distributing of the, of the promised land, how each tribe received their allotments. 
And we ended our time a couple of weeks ago in verse number 42 of Joshua 21. So now we take up the last three verses for our text this morning. Joshua 21, verse 43. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which He sware to give unto their fathers. And they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about according to all that He sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. How was Joshua able to obey the commission that God had given to him? He was able to do so as he leaned on the promises of God. One commentator called these three verses the theological heart of the book of Joshua. It's the jugular vein of the book. Whatever calling that God has laid out in front of you, you can be sure that His promises will last, that He will hold you fast. What a kind gift to our congregation that God has orchestrated us to end up in these verses on this date as Anna prepares to leave for Indonesia. All of God's goodness is bringing about the fulfillment of all of God's promises to all of God's children. Very simply, we'll remember that promises have been made and that promises have been kept. God indeed had made promises to His children. He made promises that they would receive land. Listen to these two passages from the book of Genesis. Genesis 12, 7 says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Genesis chapter 13, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. So if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. And then he says, arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land. I will give it to you. And then in Genesis 15, he said unto him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Ur, the Ur, the Chaldeans, to give to you land to possess. The only land Abraham ever received was used, he used to bury his wife, Sarah. And he had to purchase that piece of property. This was, these promises that God had made to him must have seemed preposterous. God was promising Abraham to do something that was off the scale. It's probable that many of us look at God's commissions to us and God's promises with that kind of attitude. God's calling me to do what? And he's promising me what to go along with that? And I imagine, Anna, you feel that way this morning. God has called you to do something out of your league, but not out of His, for He has no limits. The land promised to Abraham and to his descendants was 
delayed, that the fulfillment of that, of that promise was delayed. You remember that there was oppression that they experienced in Egypt. They served as slaves. The children of Israel served as slaves for 400 years. But these slaves of Pharaoh would one day be heirs of Jehovah. And then there was another delay. As they, they were allowed to come out of Egypt, God provided for them to come out of Egypt. But then they had unbelief and they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. So God made a promise. But then there was all this time that had passed. All these delays to seeing it come to pass. And that's the point that we should remember this morning. With the promises of God. There's no expiration date. It will be done just as he said it will be done. And it doesn't matter how long ago God promised you that he would never leave you or forsake you. That promise is not bound by geography or millennium. He will not leave you or forsake you. But there was not only the promise of, of land, there was also a promise of rest to the children of Israel. In Deuteronomy we read, For you have not yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. But when you go over to Jordan and live over the Jordan and live in the land which, that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around, that you live in safety. And then in Joshua 1, again, remember the word that, the Mos- that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land until the Lord gives you rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they take possession of the land that the Lord, the Lord your God is giving them. Christian, God has not promised you land, but he has promised you rest. He has promised you his presence and his goodness and his love. He has promised you that one day all tears will be wiped away and that people from every tongue and nation will gather at the feet of Christ and cry out, worthy is the Lamb. God has promised you a great deal, Christian. In fact, all of God's goodness is bringing about the fulfillment of all of God's promises that have been made to all of God's children. He has made promises and Jehovah God has kept promises. We read in Joshua 21, verses 43, verses 44 and 45, about how God kept all of his words. These three verses emphasize the completeness of the victory. All that Jehovah God had promised to his chosen people was delivered. He had, he had made promises of, of, of land and he had made promises of rest, and they were good promises. The gift of land is especially stressed in the book of Joshua. This inheritance was directly from the good hand of the Lord. Go back uh, to about 10 chapters to chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. And be reminded of the goodness of God's promise. And look at verse number 40. Joshua chapter 10 verse 40. So Joshua smote all the... All the country of the hills and of the south and the vale and the springs and all their kings. He, let, he left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God commanded. Verse 42, and all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. It was God's good hand. It was God doing the work. It was God accomplishing exactly what he had promised. It was his good hand. He was accomplishing, he was fulfilling his promise of rest. And then go forward one one chapter to chapter number 11 and verse number 16, and we see this this idea of rest being being fulfilled. 
uh, chapter 11, verse 16. So Joshua took all the land of the hills and the south country and all the land of Goshen and the valley and the plain and the mountains of Israel and the valley of the same, even from the Mount of Halak that goes up to Seir, even to Belgad, the valley of Lebanon, and to Mount Hermon, and all the kings he took, and he smote them and slew them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. All others they took in battle. And here it is. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts, that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and they that might have no favor, but that he might destroy them and the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 23, so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord had sent unto Moses. And, and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And the land rested from war. The Lord handed over enemy after enemy after enemy to His children. He was with them just as He had promised. They received rest because God had removed the enemy for his children. The only way that we can have that promised rest is for our enemy to be removed. When God defeated Israel's enemies, it was a foreshadowing of Jesus' victory at the, and the rest that he gained for us. When Jesus ultimately delivers us from Satan, there will be no more temptations to sin that we have to deal with. There will only be, there will be no more warring. There will only be rest. That's the day that we long for. The land of promises showed up all the way through this book. It was a promise that God kept. We know He kept it because we've, we've read through, we've scanned through all the borders and the allotments and the cities and the rivers and the, and the boundaries. All of it is here meticulously detailed. And then in our text, in, in chapter 21, verses 43 through 45, six times we read that word, all. The enemy was defeated because God swore it. Victory of the land, rest, it all came to be. Not one word of the Lord failed. It reminds me of that hymn that we love to sing. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Friends, the word of the Lord is trustworthy. The word of God will stand. His promises will last. Jehovah God keeps his promises. All of God's goodness is bringing about the fulfillment of all of God's promises that have been made to all of God's children. Do you see what God did? Ancient promises were made, and even in the face of massive barriers, big delays, slavery, wilderness wandering, war, personal unbelief, Jehovah still kept his promises. Joshua 21:45 tells us that not one word failed to come to pass. Nothing was too hard for the Lord. And here is in our, in our text in, in 21, here is where God rightly says, I told you so. 
I told you I could bring you, a, uh, bring you through and deliver and all my promises that I have made to you. And if I can reverently say it this way, God is taking a victory lap here in Joshua chapter 21, verses 43 through 45. God trampled all over Sihon and Og. And he says, ha! Jericho, fortified city, you think I can't handle, handle Jericho or Ai or the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites or the Jebusites? That's nothing. I can handle it all. Boom, God did what he said he was going to do. The land was for Israel. Rest was for Israel. It came to pass just like he had promised. All the words of the Lord came to be. And it's true for you also. The great promises of God are meant for you and for me so that great things will happen. This is what happened with Israel. A huge territory was overturned. It was inhabited by God's people. God's promises are meant to bring about great things. That's what happened. God's promises are meant to be fuel for our own obedience to the commissions that he has given to us. God has promised to provide for every single one of our needs. And he's going to do it. God has promised that, we put, that if we put on the armor of God, that we will stand firm against all the fiery darts of the evil one. God has promised that he will direct our paths when we do not lean on our own understanding. God has promised to provide a way of escape, a way of endurance through any trial that we may experience in this life. God has promised that his spirit will enable us, will dwell within us for the calling that he has provided, he's given to us. God has promised that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God has promised that he will forgive us of all of our sins, and that's a mighty lot of sin. God has promised that his perfect peace will come to those whose mind is fixed on him. God has promised that we who are in Christ have been made righteous before God. God has promised that he's going to be our companion. God has promised that he's going to continue to do a good work in us until the day of Jesus Christ. God has promised that through Christ we are more than conquerors. God has promised that we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. The great promises of God are meant for great things to happen. God's promises are meant to fuel our obedience to the callings that God has given to us on this earthly journey. But ye shall receive power. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Harvest Bible Church, there's a charge to you this morning. Lean into the promises of God. It's time for us to grab hold of these promises. And as the spirits of God empowers us to go out and attempt great things for God. Proclaim the good news of Jesus. Give your time and your energy and your financial resources for the gospel's advancements. Live as though you trust that God will indeed accomplish all of these things, all of these promises, and many more that he has made to you. Today, we send out one of our own to go to Indonesia for a one-year-long assignment. She will be serving with our gospel partners, Jonathan and Sarah Farmer, and their teammates and our other gospel partners, Jared and Sharon Kessler. So members of Harvest Bible Church, you are charged today to be individuals of prayer. Pray. 
Pray for Anna's parents who remain here and part of our congregation. Pray for Anna. Pray regularly over the next 11 months. Pray especially this Wednesday, August the 28th. We are holding a day of prayer for Anna. She leaves on Tuesday evening from Philadelphia. And she'll be traveling all of Tuesday night, all of Wednesday, and I think into early Thursday morning, our, our Pennsylvania time. So we'd like to have an unbroken stream of eight hours of prayer for Anna on this Wednesday. So you can take one of these sheets that is going to be on the table directly behind you. They're all laid out for you. And there are 10-minute time slots for you to pray. Can you pray for 10 minutes for Anna on Wednesday? We need 48 individuals to help us pray for Anna from 8 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock uh, in the afternoon. There are many ways that we have listed on here that you can pray for her. Many things that you can remember to pray for her uh, on that day. Then you can use this uh, in days ahead as well as you pray for her over the next 11 months. I believe there are going to be some prayer cards back there that Anna has provided for you as well. Homeschoolers, maybe this would be a good opportunity for you to, to accomplish uh, it, it, a part of your day on Wednesday. If you, uh, those of you who are at work that day, maybe on your lunch break or whatever the case may be, but try to find a time that works for you and remember to pray specifically for Anna on Wednesday. Christian, you are not following an inexperienced, somewhat powerful, often present, half knowledgeable God. You are following the infinite, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God of the universe. He has no beginning or ending. He has no limit in His power. He is everywhere at one time. He lacks no knowledge. This is the God who delivered Israel from Egypt. He brought them into the land that would be theirs, and He gave them rest. If God can break the power of the Canaanites, He can certainly break the power of Islam in Indonesia. Harvest Bible Church, you are charged to claim the promises of God, that He will draw to him, some to Himself in salvation, that He will establish local churches among the Real Malu people, he will gather us together with those believers one day soon. And now our dear sister Anna. God has answered our prayers to call people from our own congregation to go to other parts of the world in gospel advancing endeavors. And today we certainly praise God for your obedience to that call. However, your way forward is not crystal clear. You have plenty of unanswered questions. You have legitimate fears. You have financial responsibilities. You have remaining sin. You have unexpected and unknown challenges that will arise. But you also have the promises of Jehovah God. So Anna Gross, on this 25th day of August, the year of our Lord, 2019, you are hereby charged to be strong and very courageous. Do, be, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You are charged to remember the good promises of God 
that all his words will be accomplished. You are hereby charged to trust that his grace will be sufficient, that his provision will be proven, that his presence is continual, his love will be unending, and that his spirits will be enabling. So this Thursday, as you ride the ferry over the choppy waters from Singapore to Batam, Indonesia, you do not need to fear. He will be with you, just as he promised. And this school year, when the children that you educate look to you to meet their needs over and over and over again, and you feel the drain of the task that you've been called to accomplish, be reminded that he who has called you will perform it. And when you sit in your home on a Friday evening, missing your family and friends from the United States, probably your pastor the most, you need not despair. God will not leave you or forsake you. His promise of His presence will be fulfilled. And when you question your purposes and your usefulness in the grand scheme of gospel advancement as you serve in a support role, bring to mind the phenomenal work that Jesus did with a little boy's fish and loaves of bread, or even the menial task that Simon of Cyrene did, which is an important part of the gospel story. And Anna, when you face the unavoidable enticements of your own sin, be reminded that your great God once promised to send His one and only Son to this earth. And be reminded that promise was kept. And Jesus did come, and He lived on the earth, and He died on the cross to make payment for your sin. And remember further that Jesus trampled all over death, just as God said He would. His heart beats. And then further, remember that Jesus' victory gained you an inheritance. Be reminded that one day, one day soon, Jesus will return to carry you home to heaven. But until that day, remember that he will hold you fast. His promises will last. May the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob the God of the people of Israel, the God of the people of Harvest Bible Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the God of Anna Gross, comfort us and give us all hope as we all remember that not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made will fail. All will come to pass. This is our hope. This is what we lean on on this day. We're going to pray now for Anna. We're going to ask that, Anna, you come down here to the front, maybe up the aisle a little bit, and with her family, Anna's family, come please. And elders and deacons and your wives can come and gather around Anna. And anybody else who loves Anna, it's going to be a big group, gather around Anna, and then one of our elders, uh, Anna's connection group leader, Dr. Gerard will lead us in prayer, and then I will pray. Anybody's welcome to come. Let's pray. Father, you are so gracious uh, to give us one who would go out from us uh, to serve um, in a dark place. Father, thank you for Anna, for her faithfulness, uh, for your call in her life,
uh, for the promises and the goodness that you give. Father, we pray that she would keep you first in all things. Father, we pray for health and safety as she goes. Lord, we ask that you would lift her up physically and emotionally and spiritually, uh, that you'd be real to her at all times. Uh, Father, that you would help her to feel your love and support all along the way. Father, we pray that for you, she would have a quick connection with the farmers, uh, that she would fit right into their routine. Father, that you would understand what you would have her do to love and support them, that she would get along well with the children. Father, that she would have a vision and intellect to know exactly what to do and how to serve the kids. Uh, Father, that she would gain much in wisdom and knowledge and experience even as she's there. Father, we pray that she would have gospel opportunity to share her life and her faith uh, with those in that dark place. Father, we pray that she would learn much from the farmers and the Kestners as she's there. Uh, Father, that she would understand what it's like to work and live and share. Father, we pray that she would adjust to the culture and the food and the weather and the environment. Father, that she would fit right in, that you'd give her flexibility and patience and strength. Lord, we ask that she would have no fear as she goes. Uh, Father, for we know and she knows that you are a God of great promises and that you are true and faithful to those promises. Thank you for your son who unites us and unites her. Thank you for this opportunity for her. And we ask your great blessing on her and her endeavor. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you that you are a good and faithful God. We thank you for answering our prayers to call someone from our congregation to go to another land to be part of gospel advancing endeavors. We pray that you would give Anna safety to her arrival spots in Batam. We pray, we ask that she would be repeatedly reminded of your promises to her. That they are just as true today as they were for the children of Israel when they went into the promised land. We pray that you would provide to her encouragers that are there local with her, that would encourage her in her walk with you. God, we pray that you would give her wisdom, patience, and energy in her role as an educator. We pray that she would prioritize her pursuit of you, that she would draw close to you. We pray for the development of her relationships with the team there in Indonesia that you would do good things through them for your own glory, for your own namesake. God, I pray that our dear sister would remember the things that you have taught her over the years, how you've grown her, and that she would remember to take all of her fears to you. I pray, God, that she would remember that she has a church family here holding the ropes, taking her before you each day. Lord, we pray for your own glory that you would do a good work in and through Anna Gross. For your name's sake, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.